0: tonight, amen. Praise God to the young gentleman that commented on bald heads. (laughs) You can have a lot of hair be bald-headed and still be a fool, amen. Or you can have wisdom, amen. Hair has very little to do with it. Someone said there's no fool like an old fool, amen. He's had a lot of experience. If you have your Bible tonight, Matthew chapter 25, and uh, I want to preach out of a text that I I pondered uh, for a number of months, actually. And uh, the beginning night of this Bible conference, uh, we have before us an unprecedented opportunity. That opportunity is to advance the kingdom of God... um, Possibly like no generation that's ever lived on planet earth. We are wealthier as Christians by far than any generation that ever lived. We are more mobile. You can get onto an airplane and in a matter of hours, be anywhere basically on planet earth. We have the internet. We have the ability to communicate. There are more sinners tonight than ever lived. We've topped six billion people. Sinners are everywhere. There's a harvest that's beyond number. And as you begin to think about these terms, I wonder like the Scripture says, if we have not been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. That God in His wisdom has birthed our fellowship, nurtured us along, cultivated us, taught us, inspired us, until we have come to the kingdom for this moment. An article recently that was mailed to Pastor Mitchell. Dear Pastor Mitchell. Enclosed is a graph of the projected number of Christian fellowship churches worldwide for the next 60 years. Based on the average growth rate from 1970 to year 2000. As shown in the graph at year 2030 there should be 1 million churches. 2,060, there should be one billion churches if the Lord tarries. One billion churches are enough to evangelize the world. This graph is not prophecy. It is only mathematics, which is my job at NASA. The assumptions are that the Lord continues to bless our work. And we continue to do what we are doing. Planning churches that plant churches. Sincerely, Robert C. Coston, NASA. Tonight, as we are here, with all of this information, with these statistics, with the opportunity, yet there is an enemy that must be overcome. Or we will never step into that kind of destiny. And not only that, one day if we're not careful, we'll look back with tears in our eyes at what possibly might have been. I want to focus tonight on this enemy and a sermon I've entitled, Have You Buried Your Talent? Matthew 25, verse 14. And I want to pick a few verses through this familiar portion of Scripture. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents; to another, two; to another one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went, traded them, made another five. Likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came, brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five. Look, I've gained five more besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man... Reaping where you have not sown, Gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy servant, You knew that I reaped where I have not sown, Gathered where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, And at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him. Give it to him who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He who has abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Father, tonight we come by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we ask your grace in this place... We feel divine appointment tonight. I pray, God, that every man, every woman in this place would step into their destiny. God, I pray the blessing of your fruitfulness upon us. God, let us look into our own hearts. Let us search our own motives and ambitions tonight. God, that you might have your way and your will in this people. God, give them nations... Give us the grace to turn our generation to the living God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you buried your talent? In this text, the Bible declares that God gives a talent. Now, this is the nature of God's kingdom this evening. This is a revelation of the heart of the living God. This is true from the first man. That was created in God's likeness and in His image. God formed Adam, but He didn't just form him from the dust. He made a deposit into this man. He breathed into him of Himself. And Adam became a living soul. This climaxed on the cross. That familiar verse, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. There's not a saved person in this place that God has not made precious deposits into your life. He has made deposits in your heart, in your soul, in your marriage, many in your own physical body, your checkbook. There's probably not an area of your existence that the living God, since you have been saved, He has made spiritual deposit into your life. Jesus said these words as you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. The Apostle Paul says, Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, the Spirit, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And so the truth is tonight uh, that sin bankrupts uh, the human soul. Uh, The moment you begin to sin, uh, things were stolen, some things were broken, others begin to decay. And when you got saved, uh, God began to repair. He began to restore. He began to replace. Some things He removed, other things He released... uh, But the truth is tonight, there's not a one of us here that are born again that God has not made rich deposits into your life of of that which came from His substance and His kingdom. Jesus declared His ministry, God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty them that are bruised, open prison doors to those that are bound, and recovering of sight to the blind. And so this is a bottom line foundation of the kingdom of God that God has given to you. That which you could never give yourself. In our text it says, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. In other words, these goods uh, were those of the Lord, of those servants. uh, uh, They were not of the servant. The servant had not acquired these by his own ability. It was not by his devices, uh, but it was that, that the Lord had come and made a powerful deposit into each of these individual lives. They were treasures out of his house and his resources. And that's true again tonight hope. He's given some of you who were hopeless. He has given you hope. He's given you vision for a life that you would have never imagined in a million years without God. Dignity. We could talk about character. A calling. You've been called to the most noble call in all of humanity. A purpose for life. Righteousness. Grace. We could go on and on this evening. But He has invested talents and giftings into your human personality. You're enriched. You're enlarged. Your life's been elevated because of this investment in your life this evening. This is a foundation of every human being that's saved here tonight. You need to understand um, God has given and deposited into you that which you would have never achieved on your own. That's why it really upsets me sometimes when people get this attitude, you know, well, if I hadn't followed the call of God, I would be this or be that. You're a fool. And you make me sick when you talk like that. And so here we need to understand the Bible says, God gave to each according to his own ability. Now, I'm not sure all that that means, um, but it does mean something. um, And I do know that the heart is the qualifying factor with God. And so here the Lord is, Uh, He looks at these servants, Uh, the Bible says they were His own, Uh, He had relationship, they're not strangers, Uh, this is not indiscriminately, it's not by chance or luck, Uh, one's not going to get five and another one, uh, because He just happened to choose the lucky number and get in line at the proper time. These are His own servants. And He said, according to their ability. In other words, God had observed. Uh, If we could use that, He had watched their lives. Um, And He had made a judgment call. And that judgment call is going to determine the talent that they are to receive. The Bible says, uh, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So I ask you a question this evening. If the Lord tonight passed by and He's going to distribute talents, what would He give you according to your heart? What could He trust you with this evening? Of His kingdom treasures, what could He lay in your hands and be confident that it would not be squandered? Because that's part of what conference... Is all about. It was a test of the heart. And I do believe God saw something worthwhile in the quality of this man who he trusted with one talent. I believe when this talent was placed in his hands, there was no reservation. It is placed in his hands with great hope that this one talented man is going to take this talent and exercise it and cultivate it and develop it to the greatest of his ability. I believe when the Lord invested that talent, it was not with suspicion was not with a cynical eye. And I want to tell you tonight, God is willing and not afraid to risk on you and I. To be honest with you, it amazes me some of the things God has trusted me with. It's almost hilarious. I mean, it is. It's, it's ridiculous when you think about it. Sometimes you think, God, you know, He must have a lot of faith. <laughs> Amen. Pastor Mitchell laughed at me, you know. Uh, we secured a bank loan for a million and a half when we built our new church facility. And, and uh, you know, used to, you couldn't trust me with 25 cents. <laughs> I didn't do that on my own. That's God and the grace of God. But let me ask you this evening, what has God placed in your hand What has he trusted you with this evening? What is the deposit? What has he placed under your influence? He's left it in your care. Because the truth is, it's not yours to do with as you will. It's there under your stewardship. And it's up to you to value or to squander. You can be like the prodigal son who took this inheritance from his father and squandered it on riotous living. Or you can watch over it. Or you can lose it like the lost coin in the house because of carelessness. The care of the talents and the ministry God's placed in your hands are totally under your supervision. It doesn't matter tonight if it's five, if it's two, or it's one. It's up to you. It's yours to develop. No one here can do that. Your pastor, I pastor a number of men, launched a number of churches, disciple men, and I have done the best that I know how. But the truth is, uh, God has made an investment far more than I have. And as they step out and they're launched out into ministry, now it's their responsibility. In the secret chambers of their own life, in the midnight hours, I got an old Bible... An old Thompson Chain, King James Bible. And uh, one of the first, not the first Bible. My wife's grandfather had given her a Bible and that was my first Bible. But this was really my first preaching Bible and when I first went into the ministry. And every once in a while I just pull it out and every pr- page is highlighted, <laughs> underlined. Uh, uh, the 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 thing the covers wore off the pages are are eat up um, and I can remember an old desk I had in a closet it was a door it was an old discarded door with some cinder blocks um, and I can remember getting sermons and where the doorknob used to be there's a hole and I had to be careful when I got my sermons that I didn't punch through the paper. In those days there were no people really up. There was no one much to preach to. I was pioneering obscurity. But God had given me a gift. And that gift was supernaturally placed in a human heart. And it was a privilege and a wonder to be in the ministry and to preach the gospel. It was my highest of high dreams. And I can remember those midnight hours of getting sermons that I look at today and are hilariously simple. But I was developing the talent, that half quarter talent that God had trusted me with. You have a young man in your nation, Thorpe is his name. Got two gold medals, I understand now. Caught a little bit of it the other day. Some of the stats. He's, he wears a size 17 shoe, <laughs> he's already got flippers. His hands are like paddles. Pastor Vickery was sharing with me. They did some statistics. And if you were going to build a swimming machine, you would build it like him. But you know, all of that means nothing if you don't train and prepare and work and cultivate. There's a lot of kids with big feet and all they are is embarrassed. (laughs) means nothing. And that's true in this Bible conference this evening. You have come this week for various reasons, but I tell you, God has come this week to make deposit. He is looking up and down the aisles. Of this congregation. And He is measuring hearts this week. And He's measuring them. To see who He can trust with kingdom deposit. So understanding that. Why would a man bury God's talents? You see self-interest will always eventually bury kingdom talents. And here is the deadly enemy that we must conquer this evening. Here is the sin of the saints. Here is the sin of the servants. These men knew their Lord. They were not ignorant of God's investment. They were not ignorant of His will and His desire. They had relationships with their Lord. But you see, this man, his talent is no longer available to God's will. His talent is no longer accessible for kingdom business. You see, self-interest will not pray the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now, you may think it's easy to pray that prayer but when you see the cross it becomes a whole different matter. And so, here is the man and I want to say this spirit has the ability and probably somewhere has touched every person in this place. Perhaps he doesn't want to be bothered with the responsibility of this talent. I've got my own life to live. I've got my own agenda, my own interest, my own pleasures, my own plans, uh, my own dreams. I don't want to be bothered. God, you give me this talent, you see something in me evidently, but something begins to twist in this man's heart. And he buries God's talent in the grave of his own interest. I've seen men and women, after God made kingdom investment in them, I've seen them take that investment and instead of making it available for ministry, for service for God, they begin to use it totally to pursue their own career, their own financial gain, their own purposes in the earth. I've seen men who had personalities like a rabid dog. God saved them, began to develop them, call them to the ministry and after this investment and they come to the place to where finally now they can give a return to the kingdom God has healed and worked in their personality and their marriage God has brought character in various aspects and they take that instead of surrendering it to God they use it To make money. Making money in itself is not evil. But it's no longer available to God. They use it to promote themselves rather than to pioneer a church or to reach a nation. You see, this talent might as well be dead as far as the Lord's concerned. I've seen pastors who have talents of disciples in their congregations. And instead of releasing those disciples to the furtherance of God's kingdom and the work of God, they bury those disciples in their own personal interest. it'll cost you to launch churches i mentioned yesterday and i think your pastor mentioned in the last two and little over 2 years we've launched 15 couples into the ministry about 70 75 people song leaders Stacey dillard used to be my song leader is like heaven would come down some of you know i mean i i wanted to cut off my arm rather than to launch this guy out in the ministry musicians that you know you can't... You know, you're, you're back to almost a cappella. <laughs> Bible studies. James Schultz had a Bible study of 60, 70 people. 20 years old. What do you do? You know when you launch it, there's no one going to pick up this Bible study. Talents buried under your own interest. But the Bible says after a long time, you see, self-interest is not normally the problem of the short term. Self-interest is not a problem when there's nothing to be interested in. It's not normally the young disciple, but it says after a long time. I don't know how long, but years have come and gone. And now the Lord shows up. Now you've got some ministry. Now you've got resources. Now you've got assets. Pastor, now things have been placed into your hands. And now God shows up. You know, He shows up in conference. And nothing changes. Doesn't matter if you've got a big church, a little church, a lot of resources, finances, um, or nickel and dime. It's the same. God shows up and He'll press you to the wall. I've been in Prescott conference before and God said, give it all. Thousands and thousands of dollars. You worked and labored to store. God said, give it all. I have need of it. I've been in conference before and Larry Mitchell, some of you pastors in Africa know Larry Mitchell. Uh, Pastor Mitchell comes to me. He says, we've got an opportunity in Kitwe, Zambia. He says, what about Larry and Mona? I had other plans for Larry and Mona and I go to Larry and I mention it and he begins to weep and tears run and drip off of his chin. He said, Pastor, two, three days ago I was in prayer and God spoke to me about Africa. He spoke to me about Zambia. He confirmed it. He says, I can't believe and here is the divine working of God. But self-interest will always miss this. He goes there and the church has exploded. Some 250 up to... I don't know, 8, 850. We had an outreach team there some time ago. Roy was on staff. He took a team of our people over there. They, we rented a bus. We're going to take these people on outreach to one of the baby churches. And they couldn't all get on the bus, so they had a big fight. <laughs> what a wonderful problem. They're, they're boosting them up through the windows. They're, they're elbowing. their the old ladies are kicking one another, man. And we're, we're getting on this bus, man. We're going on outreach. And the only way he could stop the fight was he had to say, hey, hey, we'll get another bus tomorrow. You don't go today, you can go tomorrow. Wonder what would happen this week if we had an outreach here. Ooh. <laughs> But the Bible says after a long time. It's at this point that if we're not careful, the Bible says in verse 18, and hid, and verse 25, hid your talent. Before there was nothing to lose. But now, he has assets and he has something. That God has deposited. One of the great tragedies, I just went through a horrible, horrible crisis. All the years of pastoring, I've never been through anything like it. Went through a crisis in Malaysia. And that's where this sermon came from by the way the, the agony of that crisis was not just the difficulty of a, of a couple that you've invested and worked with for ten years of, of them totally turning and, and I won't go into all of that but the tragedy is now there's a congregation That has finally come to the place, some 200 plus people, their resources, that now impact could be made in Asia. I remember, I pioneered the work. I remember when there was, uh, you know, 10 of us there. All we wanted to do, but we did not have the talents and the giftings and the resources and the manpower and the woman power to do. But now all of that is there. Some of you preach there. And at that moment, when after years of labor and the Workings of God, and many, many men, many men from this place invested sermons in life and relationship, and it finally comes to the place where it can make impact. Self-interest says, "It's mine." Let's build a tower make a name for ourselves. Most of us aren't as honest as this man with the one talent. Most of us try to camouflage our self-interest with some kind of accommodating theology. We're like Judas. When the woman broke this alabaster box upon Jesus, he didn't just come out and said, you know what? I'm covetous and greedy. I'd really like to have that for myself. But he created a theology. says, oh man, we could have done a lot for the poor with this. But John records, you could care less about the poor. We know you. You held the bag. Let me ask you this evening because... What I'm talking about is men who would never commit adultery, men who pray, men who in so many areas of their life, they reflect the glory of God and yet this seed, the Bible doesn't say this man was an evil man. It doesn't say he beat other servants up. It doesn't say he was a thief in that uh, that nature of a thief. But it says simply that he buried what God had invested in him. And this is the sin of the servants of the Lord. Somewhere, sometime, God will settle accounts with you. The Bible says after a long time, the Lord... uh, Those servants came and settled the accounts. Unannounced, there's no warning. No doubt it was the least time he expected him. It's a long time. He's forgotten maybe even who gave him the talent. He's living life under his own self-deception. His conscience has faded concerning this buried talent. It hardly bothers him anymore. But there comes a time... And I believe when the Lord came Listen to me carefully When He came to bring into account These men He did not come with a heart to I'm going to judge you And cast you into outer darkness But He came Yes, He's going to make a judgment call But think about it That judgment call is to promote He wants to bestow more he wants the man with five to have five more. The man with two who's been faithful with that which is least. He's going to promote them. He's going to add to that previous investment. And you know many times at conference, it's amazing God shows up to settle accounts. And He comes this week... And he comes once again to measure hearts because he wants to deposit again what you cannot deposit for yourself. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I will make you ruler over much. He's going to add another dimension to their life. He wants to add dimensions to your life this week. Anointings, ministry increase, influence, fruitfulness. And it's a very simple formula. If you've been faithful over what God has given you in the past, it will determine your increase in the future. Some time ago, a man asked me, and... I was asked this question in a couple of places And so it began to really I had never really been asked this question much But they asked me said, Pastor Campbell Was there any definite times When God just enlarged your heart or your life? You know, because we're all working, laboring And a lot of pastors here You're just working, laboring along Doing and developing and things But I got to thinking about that And you know there are definite times God does things in your heart Supernatural things That are far beyond your ability It's just like God turns a page in your ministry And things that you labored with for years Maybe with very little success Now they just begin to work And one time was when my daughter died I preached on that a number of years ago My daughter, 16 years old Died accidentally I was in the Philippine Islands, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible time. But as I look back, I was faithful during that time, and God enlarged my sphere of influence. Another time was when I left a church in Chandler, a very thriving church, 300 people, probably a hundred disciples, it was a young military church basically, went to Malaysia to a foreign country move my family across the international borders. God supernaturally done something in my spirit that I could never do on my own. And again recently, this thing in Malaysia, I was there basically May, June, most of July. And there, basically by myself, uh, John Howard was there with me some, and my wife was there some. But As I was there, God began to do something out of this horrible wrestling with the agony of soul, relationships, out of that, God began to do something that was beyond me. Often we think and we we read the magazines and the books of the religious world that someone's going to pass by and lay hands and I believe in laying hands on people. Every conference we lay hands on people. But I'm telling you, beloved, there are times in your life when all of hell is exploding around you and it looks like you're going to go down if you will be faithful. If you will be faithful during that time, if you'll not turn back, if you'll not speak unbelief to God, if you will not grieve the Spirit of God and you'll maintain your vision, God will do something. And he'll take your two and he'll double it. And so when he comes in this setting, He's not coming to strip this talent. He is coming, I believe, with full expectancy to promote this man whom he loves. He would have not given the talent to him if he hadn't had a heart for him. But you see, this evening, strange things happen to those who bury God's talent. It's interesting to me, this man's view of headship somewhere begin to be warped and twisted. Listen to his words. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown. Now there's nothing further from the truth. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you learn of me, for I am gentle lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But you see a man or a woman that bury God's talent, they have this incredible ability to justify it and the way they justify it, they have to discredit headship. You're too hard. That's what he's saying. He's saying you're too demanding, you were unfair. I knew the reason I buried it was because of you. How many times have I heard people say, The reason that I'm not successful, the reason why my talent is not being used to its fullest extent for God's kingdom, it's because of you. You're the problem. You're not fair. I'm misunderstood. He had to discredit his headship to justify the burying of his ministry You can always spot these people in the church They're the complainers And the gripers They're, Nothing's ever right Of course they do nothing for God But everything anyone else is trying to do Is wrong I got them in my church They complain about the pastor The fellowship standards Oh the fellowship standards Why do we have these standards Why Why no TV if, if you want the tape Buy it I preached it Sunday morning Amazing Whole front filled with young people Made a commitment to God No movies Not going to own a TV And not going to surf the internet for porno And all the wickedness um, And the front's filled They don't have a problem with it But it's people who buried their talent That have a problem with it And God will knock at your door one day, buddy Just like He knocked at this man's door But it's those who buried their talent. At one time, this man, I believe he was on... It's amazing to me. When the Lord gave him the talent, there was no complaints. He didn't say, oh, you're a hard man. Don't give me the talent. I know you reap where you don't plead. No problem at all, man. He was probably even grateful. But somewhere along the way... Something shifted. I've seen it in pastors on the field. I've seen those who tried to discredit Pastor Mitchell because they buried things. It's interesting. He doesn't say anything about his mates. He doesn't say to the man who had five talents or two talents, Shh, you hard. I'm afraid of you. But it's the one who knows where your talent came from, and more than that, it's the one who can bring you into accountability for your buried talent. That always has to be discredited. See, the one with the five, he didn't come over and say, Hey, you buried your talent. But it was the one who knew where the talent, the one who had made the investment, the one who had placed it in his hands, the one that knew where it came from and had the spiritual authority to hold him accountable. That he had to discredit. It's interesting, he said, And I was afraid. He became paranoid of those who could expose His buried talents and begin to discredit. You're unreasonable. You're unfair. It's amazing. I can tell sometimes when people begin to... They they, they don't respond to me like they used to this pastor, he I noticed just little things. They become paranoid of those who can bring them into accountability for what's been placed in their hands. I want to close with a thought there's an incredible judgment on this man's life you read it it almost seems unfair it seems harsh listen to the Lord's answer to this man he doesn't even debate with him he doesn't say Phew. you say I'm a hard man where did you get that you say I'm unfair and I repro-. he didn't even debate with him He said, you wicked, lazy servant, you knew. You knew. Take it from him, give to another, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. You say, Lord, wait a minute. All he did was bury a town. I mean, he's just a little afraid. Why this harsh judgment? Why, I mean, I can see the Lord Just give me that talent How dare Outer darkness, weeping Break his teeth off <laughs> Here, you got ten Here's another one I mean, if you're observing this You think, Phew, man That, that doesn't seem fair I mean, he didn't, like I said earlier he, he didn't take it and say Hey man, where's the whores? I got a talent here Where's Las Vegas? I mean, he gave back. He says, look, here it is. It's yours back. Self-interest is the death of God's kingdom. Listen to me for just a couple of moments and I close. This is the real enemy tonight. Our enemy tonight is not all the idols of India. I've been to India, nation of a million gods. We could talk tonight about the crime on the streets and the crack and the cocaine and we could talk about AIDS and we could, But you know, that's not the real... The, that's not going to stop you and I from winning the world for Jesus. You know what's going to stop us? is sitting right here tonight. It's people all across this assembly tonight... With one talent or two talents or however many you may have, and it's no longer available to God. Because it's the inside job that rips the heart out of the kingdom. It's the Judas factor, it's the Balaam factor. It's the Korah factor. It's the Esau factor. It's not those out there. But it's those in here. Who somewhere along the way have made a decision that my life Is no longer available to the will of God. And God views that as wicked. You wicked man. We normally don't associate this man with wickedness. The wickedness is twofold it's lost opportunity. The ten years in Malaysia, I turned this work in 1990 to a young man, early 20s. Ten years has come and gone. That's unredeemable. It's gone forever. The opportunities of 1992, 1995, 1997, that's gone forever. What this talent could have done in the time it was buried is gone forever. The disciples, churches that could have been planted, the destinies that could have been changed, The second thing that's so wicked about this is the world will be by and large won and changed by one talented people who have totally surrendered their heart to God. Can you imagine the potential just in this place tonight? I can remember when our fellowship, when practically every man... Every man I knew was willing at a moment's notice to go anywhere in the world. Any nation. I left a church of 300 people, 100 young men. 1987. Went to Malaysia. I can remember when every man in our fellowship who was pastoring was willing and ready to do that that 's what brought us this far that 's why God calls it wicked. Can you imagine this week if pastors who could and I understand there's stages and but I just wonder what would happen this week if the heart of every pastor was God? God give me a couple to launch God give me a couple that I can give back to you God entrust just one talent just one just one couple God that I could give back to you I wonder what would happen in your church in the next year Or do you say oh give give, give me give me a talent so I can keep it and give me another talent and keep it two and give me three or four and I'll keep all of them <laughs> and you wonder why you wonder why you become stagnant I'm going to tell you one day listen to me listen to me I don't care how old you are how young you are applies to me tonight I'm almost 60 the same as if you're 26 there'll come a day God's going to pass by and he's going to look at the accounts in your life. He'll look at the accounts in your life. He's going to open up the books on your life and he's going to look. And he's going to make a judgment. What would be his judgment on your life this evening? Would it be well done? Good and faithful, I want to lift you into another dimension. Enter into, to enter in it. You haven't been here before. You've not walked in this arena of my blessing and grace. Enter into another dimension. Or would it be? Can't trust you with it anymore. In God's eyes, this is the height of wickedness. Would you bow your head with me this evening? No one moving for a few moments, please. Heads bowed in reverence to what God wants to do.